meow, 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 meow. Meow, meow. Hey guys, <laughs> sorry about that. Um, I'm uh, I'm sitting in my friend's kitchen recording this, and um, well, I'm sitting with a cat, a feline furry friend, and I'm not really used to hanging out with cats. I don't know where he went. He was uh, sitting next to me a moment ago, licking his own asshole. You know, it's not very often that I make friends with another species or or with anyone who can uh, be flexible enough and indecent enough to lick their own asshole next to me. Uh, hi guys, hello. Uh, it's me, Lindsay Mullen, the host of the podcast you are listening to called Truths Be Told. It's a comedy storytelling podcast where I have guests on that tell fantastic true stories from their lives and those stories revolve around a theme that changes up every episode and all the stories are true so you know sometimes you'll be entertained sometimes you'll you'll laugh sometimes you'll cry sometimes you'll pull over your car and you'll think my god what is life really about this week's episode theme is personal growth. Yeah. Uh, I have a show coming out called Personal Growth, and I'm doing a podcast episode about it. Double whammy. Anyways, uh, here's what personal growth really means to me, all right? Like, you know, spiritual growth, it really is supposed to be a lifelong journey, uh, of developing the mind, the body, and I guess the spirit. Um, and it also happens to be very much in fashion right now. It's everywhere. Self-help books are popular, meditation, yoga, manifestation, getting therapy recreationally, or even when you're not having trouble. Uh, Eckhart Tolle, Tony Robbins, crystals, uh, inspirational memes that you see out there or like inspirational quotes that people send you on Instagram, uh, face masks, anything with charcoal in it. That's a big thing right now too. Anyways, they're all tools. All these things are just tools for leading a healthy, happy life. And they're also great tools for annoying the shit out of everybody you know. You know, when people say things like, uh, you know, living, living my best life. I can't stand those people. They drive me crazy. Uh, to me, uh, half of, if not more than half of the stuff I hear in relation to um, self-help and, and quote unquote personal growth is a lot of bullshit, a lot of posturing and pageantry, people trying to show how how um, great they are, a lot of virtue signaling, you know? Um, so a lot of it kind of gets to me and makes me angry, which is why I was inspired to make an improv show mocking all that kind of stuff. And there's so many different channels of it too, right? Like you got everything from like, like I said, the Tony Robbins, you know, speakers or the, the get rich quick things, you know, like when like, 
I think I've seen things where like Pitbull or someone you wouldn't expect who's like an entrepreneur or a, or a mogul, they'll like go to some big conference and people will watch them talk. Or um, there's the more spiritual channels like the Dalai Lama, who I think is legit. I'm not, I'm not on here saying that the Dalai Lama is, is um, you know, posturing in a piece of trash. He's probably the most legit one that there is, you know? Um, you know, even to the way that people have taken yoga, like Western uh, civilization has taken yoga and turned it into a big, like, I don't know, Lululemon typey thing. You know what I mean. White ladies taking over yoga. That kind of annoying stuff. Uh, so it's everywhere. It's, it's nonstop. It's all over the place. And I especially see it in, in my news feed on Facebook and on my social media because I'm an artist. I probably have, um, you know, algorithms set up just to show me things about uh, people growing spiritually. And I should say, you know, I am not um, exempt from this. I actually do think it's really important to talk about mental health stuff. I have in the past, and I've really appreciated what other people have uh, publicly and been really brave and vulnerable. Um, I also love... Uh, I love that we are more open about how to be better people and we're challenging ourselves to be more emotionally conscious. I think all that stuff is great. Don't get me wrong. I'm not shitting on being a better version of yourself. All I'm saying is that it's really fucking hard to be a better version of yourself. It's exhausting. And I'd say more than half of the stuff that exists out there, self-help stuff that exists to make you feel good actually makes you feel worse right after you watch or read it. Is that a controversial opinion? I don't think so. Anyways, so I'm happy to be doing an improv show uh, that I've created with two amazing women, uh, Alexa McKell and Renee Amber. They are improvisers, they're amazing. Uh, and uh, I'm doing the show in Calgary, June 7th and June 8th uh, at 10.30 p.m., two nights only, at the Loose Moose Theatre Company. So if you're in Calgary and uh, you want to laugh, you know, bring the worst version of yourself to our show. You can buy tickets at loosemoose.com or at the door if there's any left. Okay, that's my promo. That's my promo moment. Um, oh, before I get into uh, more personal growth, self-help, love yourself, uh, wanky shit, um, I just want to quickly do a shout out to um, the crew on the television show Goliath. Now, yeah, that's the one uh, with Billy Bob Thornton on it. I've never watched this show, but I was recently sent a direct message over Instagram informing me that certain crew members listen to this podcast while they're setting up to shoot that show in Los Angeles. I just wanted to say hi to all of you, and I hope you're having a very nice day, and I hope all the equipment is working, 
and that you're enjoying craft service snacks and that you're just having a, a great time. Yeah, while you're setting up or driving or whatever the hell you're doing. I'm taking a moment to say this because I think it was so great that somebody reached out that I didn't know and let me know, you know, what they do while they listen to the podcast. Like what's going on in their world? Because I have no idea. I just sit here in my sweatpants next to a cat who licks his own asshole and I, I talk into a microphone and I hope someone listens to it. So it's very exciting for me to hear that people so far away from me are listening to this show. So other people, send me a message. Let me know uh, what you do when you listen to this show or what you think. Your feedback is always exciting to me. It's always really fun. Moving on, let's go to the quote of the episode. The quote is by someone who I admire quite a bit. Um, this figure uh, he is a philosopher and a writer, and he is the creator of The School of Life. If you don't know what that is, go on YouTube, write in School of Life, and thank me later. They make amazing videos about being a better person, and he's just, he's written lots of great books, and he's wonderful. He is Alain de Baton. Yes. And his quote is, feeling lost crazy and desperate belongs to a good life as much as optimism, certainty, and reason. I love that. I love that. See, that's one of those self-help type things that doesn't just make you feel like a bag of shit. It lets you know that all the ugly and the flaws and the, the hurdles and the the not knowing, all of that stuff is what makes life important, just like all the good stuff. I love that. Okay, let's, uh, let's get to some uh, stories. Well, actually, today's episode is a lot more of uh, people uh, sharing their thoughts on growth more than their stories, but it's still really good. I'm really happy with it. Let's jump in. I'm sitting here with Steve Gerrand. Steve Gerrand is an improviser and a masks instructor. Yeah, you, uh, you make masks yep. and you teach people how to perform with masks on their faces. Yep, how to let go of <clears throat> themselves, their ideas, and just let someone else take over for a while. Yes. Let someone else drive. Yes. Oh, I should mention, good point, <laughs> Steve is driving well, a car. You can't turn here. Oh, <laughs> I should have let someone else drive. Steve is driving mm. during this interview. Uh, and we're here to talk about like meditation and personal growth. And for the people that don't know Steve, Steve is someone um, who who's probably the most... Um, I'm going to say, you're probably going to hate this, but I think it's true. The most in touch spiritually of any person I've ever met. It's a mask. <laughs> I'm an actor. Okay, yes, it's yes. true. But like, even the way that you speak, you're never rushed. You're very deliberate. You were the one that made an analogy that people have said you're kind of like a turtle. Thank you. 
<laughs> uh, yes. So, anyways, you've, you, uh, for example, you even meditate every day for two hours a day. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a choice that I made to, um, to follow a particular practice that recommends an hour in the evening and an hour in the morning to give that much part of your your day uh, give focus to that for that that part of your day because I I believe that if you want to do something you have to live it and even though I'm not good at meditation and I think nobody is because the mind is always rolling at least I'm not doing something else where I'm unaware of my mind I'm, I'm at least taking that time to say yes I have a crazy mind and I'm okay with it yes and I would say too of all the people I know who practice kind of spiritual pursuits and are aware of this stuff you're the least annoying (laughs) (laughs) everyone I've ever met except for you drove me crazy yeah yeah and it it would be so it happens but it's, it's crazy when you're I'm so egoless I'm so not important. Really, I'm. No, listen to me. You should do it like me because then you'll totally be not important as well. Yeah. No. And for a while, I I wanted to tell more people and get 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 them to try it, but that doesn't work. And yeah, you can't recruit you know, people into no, it. No, no. It's just it's a vibrational thing, and people will find it within themselves, and they have to, or nothing. It doesn't happen. That's a good point. Better. So uh, today, you were going to tell me all about how you. Uh, brought meditation into your own life, and you were traveling. Yeah, I was. Uh, I was in India. I was immersing myself in the madness of Hindu India, North India, and going to temples and hearing the chanting and getting getting blessed by by priests and. So paint the picture. How old were you? What was your life like at this time? I had done a bun- bunch of solo traveling to other continents because I was I was curious about culture and. That's what got me into masks, is going to Africa, partly. Um, And I found myself in India because I knew there was tons to explore there. You you look at the India travel guide and it's just so full of madness, culture, color, and sensual experiences that I I thought I had to try it. But um, after a while, in that kind of crazy temple street life I, I thought okay I gotta go to a Buddhist area and maybe as a kind of antidote <clears throat> I went to the place where the Buddha gained enlightenment a place called Bod- Bodhgaya in northern India and I was hoping to hear a talk about meditation <laughs> or to take a, a half day course or a day course and, and test what what possible meditation because you hadn't done it no I hadn't done anything I didn't know anything about what actually people did when they meditated or if there were several versions and I would choose a version I liked or whatever but there was the chance to do a 10 day silent retreat and I thought I'm here I'm traveling so much if I'm not gonna find something significant what's the point so I said I have to try this difficult I heard it was a super difficult like grueling, demanding, long retreat, and it was. It was so. Okay, so for someone like me, who my meditation literally comes from an app for mm. ten minutes on airplanes. Yeah. What, what did this entail? 
Bidding tales, leaving any distractions um, at, the, at the door. You give any books or um, personal items, <clears throat> certainly any like electronics or media, and you leave it because you're just going to be meditating all day and taking breaks. Can you talk? No. No talking? No talking. For how long? Ten days. Nine, oh nine days. You talk on the last day to kind of acclimatize yourself back to normal life. Oh, really? You don't just just suddenly it's shocking enough after when you come off the course site to to get back into the real world but that day of talking to the participants and the the teacher and sort of okay yeah. tell me this when you don't talk for 10 days mm -hmm. is there just something on the tip of your tongue that by the time you're allowed to talk it's like going oh my god i need to tell you blah, 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 blah. is it like that or is it there can be some frustration about, oh, I have so many good ideas. Now that I'm not trying to think of any good ideas, they're all coming and I can't write them down. You're not allowed to write them down No, either? all writing, reading materials, no, no, nothing, oh, nothing. Oh, man. Yeah. But all that starts to fade. That's the, whole, that's the whole point, is that you go through the process of letting these layers fall, of like, first the chatter, and then the desire to do more, and then the memories come, and then the good ideas and you just the whole practice is just let, let them all pass by and to see the substanceless you know nature of them i imagine you would have some sort of breakdown at some point like i don't know i feel like i would burst into tears at some point is that a thing that happens that, that happens to some people yeah but the whole environment <clears throat> is set up to be very supportive and to be very open and honest to say that this is a technique that will will bring up it'll make your mind fight against it and want to cover up cover it up with all of the the habits and the noise that you usually fill your your time with and your head with and the teacher and the the people helping and serving are all there to be supportive and calm and give advice if needed because you can talk to the teacher you can't talk to Oh, someone honked at us. Just in case you thought we weren't actually driving, <laughs> we are on the road. Um, wow. Yeah. So you, you feel that support and you, you work and you, you move through some these difficulties. And, and you start to learn that as, as the emotions come, that it's just like any other feeling or thought or manifestation of your mind. You just watch it pass. You want to cry, and maybe you cry, and it passes, and then you don't feel cry. You don't feel sad anymore. You feel something else, and it's just okay. being honest about that that um, circumstance. So back to your story. Mm. So you went there, and you joined this retreat, and yeah. you were silent. Mm -hmm. And what what impact did this have on you, spiritually or as a person? Like, what did this do for you? Well. It made me realize that I was creating my own difficulties that I had always tried on the outside to change myself, <clears throat> improve, or even worse, try to change other people, you know, like trying to be with the right people or to influence how they are more like you are or at least to project into the world what you think you should be you're always trying to change society kind of in your head secretly mm -hmm. and that 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 kind of mania and that kind of self-possession is what makes you unhappy and that my world and my continual building up this gold statue of me 
yes. is what ex- what will always fall short of that expectation. Nothing can be that gleaming, so you'll always be. I've unhappy. heard of that uh, analogy about that we we turn other people into statues and we we polish them in our mm. minds and like because yeah. we want them to be like a like a photo like of how we view them. And it shouldn't change from the idea we've constructed of them. Yeah, it's really hard to to see people as changing as, as you. They're, you want it to be simple, uh, <clears throat> but they're going through the same crap you are. So if you can see it in yourself that... I'm never happy. I'm, there's always something a little bit more that I want. There's always something a little bit wrong. You can start to see it in others, too, and give them a more kind of complex... Um, let them have that flow without saying either I oversimplify you or I, you know, want to change you. Huh. Uh. You know, can I tell you something a little weird? I don't want you to think this is too weird. Okay. Um... I feel like if I knew anybody in the world that I could I could bet all my money on it that when they die they will be really calm about it or really in a good mental space about it. I feel like you'd be that person. I feel like I'd be the person just resisting right to the bitter end. I feel like you are you would be very good at passing away. I know that's kind of cryptic. Yeah, no, actually not. Like that's, to me, that's that's a kind of concrete and sober goal of of trying to understand yourself and let go of yourself. Because if you can if you can accept many deaths all the time, like yes. I'm going this this past this change this. This happened that I didn't want, but it's gone, gone. And then I think in some way you're training for... The big um, guy. The big thing happening that you don't want. And so as more years go by, hopefully I'll get closer or relative to how I would have been. Maybe I'll be a little more accepting, but I don't know. I don't believe in in future lives, which is actually... A some, very spiritual... Some people take, take that into to their either meditation or uh, life outlook practices. You think you're just, you're you're gone when you're gone? I don't know, but I, I have no reason to believe that there's anything more. And yet, within the meditation, it would be very helpful if I said to myself, ah, this is not just my lifetime I can work on it. I can work on it many times over and then really get closer to this acceptance of death or this transcendence of myself. But I don't know. I'm just working on this one for now, and so maybe I'll be, maybe I'll be calm. Maybe I'll be fooling myself. I don't know. But it it feels like I'm working towards something worthwhile, even if there's a small improvement. Steve. What? That's so good. <laughs> That's really good. Boring. No, it's good. Oh, <laughs> uh, I'm glad I got you for this one. This is this. I know that this is uh, creating an oversimplified. Uh, ego view of you but I think this is definitely in your wheelhouse for this uh, episode this topic Woo! right yeah. yeah and now we can go be badasses now we can go be badasses on stage or otherwise thank you for driving me home uh, no problem thanks for buying me a 
beer. <laughs> I bought you a beer. All right. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. I'm here with Emily Pigford. Hi. And Matt Watts. Hi. Yeah. <laughs> Emily Pigford is an actress and she is on a show, a digital series yeah. called Waragami. And she's also on Umbrella Academy, which is on Netflix. Mm -hmm. So if you really want to match a face to her voice, you just open your Netflix right now and you'll, you can find her. Yeah, you'll see my face. Who is your character? I play a very mean violinist, like unnecessarily mean. A, a really to mean Ellen violinist. Page. Yeah, which is also very hard to do to be mean to Ellen Page because she's incredible and wonderful and also because she's playing a character that's very um, downbeaten and I was like, I just want to hold you, but I had to be very mean to Ellen Page. So yeah, you can watch that if you want to hate me. All right, so Emily Pigford's a bully. That's the, that's the Umbrella Academy? <laughs> no, I'm like the only like... But the, that's the name of the show. The Umbrella Academy. Yeah, it's, it's a big show. There's so much content. There's, there's so, so much, much content. content. I can't keep track of everything. But this yeah. content has kind of risen to the top of the pile yeah. of content for a lot it, of people. I did see it on the yeah. front page of Netflix. I saw people talking about it. Yeah, it came out and it was, it was, it's doing fantastically. It's already been approved for a second season. It's based on a comic book series by Gerard Way, lead singer of My Chemical Romance. What? And it's, really? That's yeah. who made yeah, it? Yeah, dude. It, it's like um, well, superheroes. 13-year-old girls from 2004 very excited. <laughs> um, and Matt, Matt Watts, you are a writer. I'm going to say you're a performer and a comedic performer because you have a lot of history in that. I do. Yeah. yeah. I have that history. I have that on my resume. Yeah, Just, every time I'm in Second City, I see your face on the wall. Yeah, There's a right. picture of there. you. I was there. It was so long ago, though. That seems like another lifetime. But what things have you done? Brag about yourself for a moment. I mean, uh, I guess the things that I'm most proud of uh, was that show, The Newsroom, that I was on on CBC, and Michael Tuesdays and Thursdays that was also called Michael Every Day that Emily was on. And you're Michael. I am Michael. Your name is in the title. I know. I play Michael. You look miserable about it, but it's so exciting. Yeah. It was the most exciting thing that's ever happened to me. <laughs> oh, <laughs> it's a great show. I should say both these two were on the show together. Yes. So that's why they have such natural chemistry. Okay. So... I feel like all performers have natural chemistry at this point. I've never actually seen performers with bad chemistry now. Really? This is just an observation I have because it's like we all grow up learning how to have chemistry. Oh, that's, that's a good point. Yeah. Like, have you ever seen two actors sit down and have a, a chat and it's just awful? Maybe no, bad not ones, in life. But that's what I'm saying. I don't think it happens that often. Yeah. What about romantic things on screen? You yeah, think some people a, aren't... That's, that's a completely different thing. That's another kettle of fish. Okay. <laughs> I guess. Fair enough. <laughs> Today we're talking about personal growth. Yes. Because uh, all three of us have been growing a lot lately. All right. We'll yeah. start with you, Matt. You were saying Me. something. You said in the last six months, you've really dropped some habits. Yeah. I, uh, I, uh, when you suggested we talk about personal growth, I thought, oh my God, I haven't done anything in the last, in my life, really, that con constitutes uh, growth. But then, I, but then I thought about the fact that I have actually, uh, in the last six or so months, I quit smoking, uh, quit drinking. Um, Started going to the gym every day, just trying to sort of take care of my physical, mental well-being. Uh, started looking into Buddhism, uh, Zen specifically, and uh, feel much better as a human being. And the only irony to all of that is that it feels like uh, it's taking weird steps back. I'm just undoing 
the damage that I did in the first place. Like I'm quitting things that I started that were harmful. So if I had never done them in the first place, would that really count as growth? <laughs> oh, wow. Maybe this is, then it would be called healing. So maybe I can't talk about personal growth. I can talk about personal, personal healing. healing. Let's oh switch the topic. Oh, wow. <laughs> so like, like relationships and I guess were you drinking a lot or something? I was drinking a lot. I think it's fair to say I was drinking a lot. Uh, um, more than is probably uh, considered normal. Um, and I got to this weird place where I just thought, I can't, I just want to be alone. I just want to sort of figure out what I'm doing and what's going on in my head before I bring somebody else into that space. So I just took a real long time uh, to, to figure that out. And uh, it's an interesting process to learn who you are by yourself without a relationship and what yeah. you actually want, which I still don't totally know the answer to, but I feel a lot more at peace to the point where if someone cancels plans on me, I'm kind of relieved. It's like, oh great, I'm just gonna stay in and I'm gonna read a book. Wow. Which is very weird for me. You strike me as a person though that's always been very good at being independent or alone. Yeah, but that was sort of not by choice because it's like, I didn't really have parents that were around and I'm an only child. So I just kind of grew <gasps> up on my own and I really just needed, that's, that's all I knew. But then as I, when I entered this community, I became very social and was out every night and going to comedy shows and just being a part of the world. So it was a long time where I didn't spend, like I've, I've, not, I've been sort of a serial relationship guy too. So this is like the longest I've been single, but without actually even dating. Oh my so, God, I, you're a kindred spirit. This is what I'm like right now. I'm not I'm even like dating. Right I've never done that. So I'm all always, in the same boat. All, yeah, and it's not, this is when you suggested this topic of personal growth, I thought, well, yeah, I could speak probably most of that of, of anything right now, even though I'm desperately trying to still assimilate everything I'm experiencing. I feel like I'm just like an explosion of all sorts of different feelings. But every, so many people close to me who I'm crossing paths with are in a very similar position of just wanting to be alone. Yes. Whether to, to uh, recognize patterns that they've been trapped in, to want to undo them, to try and heal, to try and really take stock and figure out what they want and develop um, healthy routines and a positive relationship with themselves so that before they bring anybody else back For in, me, it's just them. scary seeing the same thing repeat itself. That's yeah. what's disturbing. That's why I'm <laughs> taking a break is I, I need to ha not have boyfriends break up using the same words verbatim. That's, oh, that's scary. Yeah, when, when, you, when the pattern presents itself and you have to ask yourself, is it, like, is it me or is it them? Because if it's me, then I got to do something about that. Yeah, and obviously it's both of you because you attract each other. Yeah. And you're on that same kind of level. Yeah. But at the same time, you're like, oh man, this was cute five years ago. This isn't <laughs> cute anymore. I don't like any of this. Um, but yes, as you were saying before, I'm an only child as well. So I, I know the world of solitude, forced solitude. Mm. I was never great with it. It's hard. It's hard when you have board games and you're the only person that can see <gasps> like, oh. And you turn the board around and you play the other side. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. He's saying so many things I relate to. My parents gave me Twister. <laughs> <laughs> what a horrible game to give an only child. I feel like the whole benefit That's of cool. having a sibling is just Ooh. for the ability to turn to that person and go, it's not me, right? It's them. They're the crazy oh. ones. And when you don't have that relationship in your life, you just assume it's all on you. Yeah. Emily, do you have siblings? <laughs> yeah, I have a brother two years older and a half-brother 13 years older. 
And my, my brother, Parker, who's two years older, we were very close growing up. We lived on a farm far away, no cable. And Where? In, on Vancouver Island. Oh, my God. Wow. East Souk. East Souk. That's where we grew up. So we just hung out with each other all the time, and it was grand. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. So that was nice. So what are you... Um, in what ways are you growing right now? What's happening? I think... I always considered myself somebody that's very optimistic and goes with the flow. And, um, I, and I think that is true, but I'm needed. I I've learned over the last few years that something I need to strengthen is my ability to say no and to create boundaries and that it's okay to, you know, be assertive or whatever it is. Um, this is such and a common not, thing. This yeah. is coming up so much with so many people to the point where I'm starting to think it's not cool. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. You no, know, everybody's doing it. Everybody's, <laughs> everybody's setting boundaries. Yeah, setting boundaries. But it's like, um, I've also learned recently that I, I found myself getting very, very overwhelmed because I thought, in theory, I'm good at going with the flow. Like, my perspective of, of optimism, everything will turn out. Just do what you can and just be gentle with yourself. And I t- encourage other people, you know, be gentle with yourself. You don't have to do everything. But I'll, I caught myself being very hard on myself mm. as well. So I'm trying to put into practice just doing what I can right now. And even if it doesn't match my to-do list, I'll just have to do that later. So in it, I guess I fear dropping the ball, falling behind, and more so for how it affects other people than me. So I'll compromise my own... Are you talking about career-wise? Everything. Like, like, whether it's social obligations or social media for work um, or, like, anything like that. Um, So I... Isn't it crazy, like, the the most important thing that you can learn is just to, like, be nice to yourself? Yeah. Like, be as kind to yourself as you would be to a friend. Yeah, exactly. It's like that Hmm. simple thing, and it seems like it's impossible to actually take that in and live by that like code yeah to be nice to yourself and to not my dad said something very helpful recently he's like I don't don't explain you don't have to explain yourself and I've I'm learning over the last little bit that I something that's really important to me and I'd like to unpack why it is so important is to be understood and um I guess I'm very concerned about making a good impression or not having people think that I'm intentionally being late or doing poor work or whatever it is. And so I feel this pressure to do things on time or early and really explain if I can't do it and I feel very bad. So I kind of get really wrapped up in trying to stay on track. But if there's so many things in the air, it's tough to stay on track. And sometimes you just need to friggin' take a break or you know, you get a cold and you just gotta sit down for a minute. So to actually put into practice being gentle with myself and going with the flow in that in, in a way that might mean not doing everything you're supposed to do today and just right. I'll just get better at be, doing my work more efficiently when I can or apologizing when I can't do it but not to go to great lengths and really you know yeah culpa stuff I noticed so both of you pointed out that you want to be better with setting boundaries do you feel as people that you lean more into letting people take advantage of your kindness? I feel like it, it, I mean, I don't know if it's a personal thing or it's an industry thing, but it's definitely hard to say no in this industry because you always, you never want to piss anyone off and there's always a work opportunity Mm -hmm. somewhere. So you're always saying yes to everything to the point where you end up just having way too much on your plate. And, And the lines between 
um, socializing and work blur so much. Yeah. yeah. That it's like, oh, you don't want this person to dislike you as a friend, let alone work-wise. Yes. So it's hard to say no to things. And, and it just becomes overwhelming, especially in this country where there's very little money and there's very little work. So it's just... Yeah, to, it's it's hard to say no, and I don't uh, I don't know if we'd be like that uh, just as people if we weren't in the industry, right? Or if it's you know part of it. I, don't I think know. being taken advantage of in this industry is the norm, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's that's the norm to to make sure everything's good so that you're hireable all the time. I mm-hmm. I have to constantly tell myself if I burn one or two bridges in the next decade career wise, that's okay. If as long as it's not a habit. <laughs> I, I told myself, like, if because I feel like if you don't ever burn a bridge and you exist forever, then you really let someone fuck you over at some point because you meet assholes. It's hard. Yeah. Do you is, know what I mean? I, I, absolutely. And I, whenever I, I'm not sure if this is an industry thing or it's a world thing, I, I always talk about like plumbers, and I go, "Do plumbers have to deal with this? Like, do plumbers <laughs> are plumbers are plumbers tweeting about their achievements every day? Right. Are plumbers saying I don't want to work with that plumber because that plumber is an asshole? Right. Like, do, do they actually, or is the, is it is it more inherent to our industry? Is it like I just I don't know because. Uh, we live it, right? Like, it's not the kind of thing that we go home at 5 o'clock and just not think about it anymore. It's a a lifestyle more than anything. It really... That's the the lifestyle element. You know, I always get caught up in the same thought whenever someone's like, so what do you do in your spare time? And I go, well, I'm an actor. And I go, oh, well, I I do improv. That's acting. Oh, right. Um, I guess I... And I go, oh, shit. I'm the most boring person alive. I'm like, everything I do is this? <laughs> oh God! On the flip side, you get to write everything off on your taxes as a. As oh, that's big. Yeah, that's <laughs> those movie research. stubs are yeah, big. Books, yeah. even everything. It's yeah. like, oh, I was reading that book because it might have worked into a thing I'm writing. I don't know. Yeah. Write it Inspiration. off. Inspiration. But it is. It feels like that. It's like there's no such thing as a hobby because somehow it gets tied into what you're doing. Everything feeds it. Like it, it's. It, you're always thinking it's just that sort of mind it's like even at night you're thinking about an idea or could it yeah. be like this or should I have done this it sort of attracts Maybe. anxious minded people do you find that you end up the two of you date when you do date mm-hmm. um, people that are 9 to 5 people or people in a creative profession I've only dated actors me too <laughs> My, mine are only, comedians and actors a lot, of, a lot of sadness yeah and uh, it's, so it can be, it's, it's very, I find very empathetic people, empathetic and analytical. And so we can just have uh, very, very long, deep conversations, but then it, it can also become this like a hamster on a wheel feeling. And I can do that very much myself. This thing too, this concern of, of impressions and also the difficulty of saying no for me comes from, I think this well of empathy where it's like, I don't want to say no Sometimes because I can imagine how hard it was maybe or, or how much that this casting director is having to or this my agent is having to deal with to get this audition to me and then I'll just say no or whatever it is. So, um, yeah, but trying to just still create boundaries and establish your values and stick to them and not feel guilt or, or shame for living a life in a way that's sustainable and right. healthy where I'm not constantly compromising or spreading myself too thin. Huh. Because, you know, if, as we were kind of chatting about here, it's like our free time is still always somehow connected to our work because our work is to convey life. So when we're living our lives, I think I certainly am always thinking about how, just thinking at great depth about the human experience 
and then how it can apply it to work. So it's like you need to you need to take a freaking break. I can't sometimes. remember the last time I enjoyed a movie, even <laughs> without thinking about like, hmm, hmm. Oh, a lot of exposition in this. When you, when you date someone inside the industry, they have an understanding of what you're going through. But when you when you date you date someone outside the industry, you have to explain what you are to them hmm. because. Especially, I'm a little older. Uh, it's definitely it, it gets a little exhausting when people when you date women who aren't in the industry, and then they go, well, "How old are you?" And you don't own a house, and you right. don't you've never been married, <laughs> and you don't have kids, and you still dress like you're in your twenties, and that seems to be the lifestyle. And it's like, yeah, I don't know what else to say. But if you date someone who's in entertainment, just generally, yeah, they get it right away. So. It's hard. The flip side of that, of course, is that I think anyone who's in our industry, uh, I mean, I'll, I'll only speak for myself here, but I think there's something fundamentally weird about the fact that we need, or I need thousands of people to validate me, if not millions. Yes. That, that thing we all kind of seek, and people outside of the industry don't have that. They're just happy hanging out with three or four friends, or they have one loved one that they see every day, and, and that's enough for them. Yeah. So when you get two people in a relationship who both have that, enormous hole in them uh it can get really toxic <laughs> casual this is, this is, that's why I, a part of me got a little bit oh when you're both like yeah i have to learn to uh, set my boundaries i'm like i need to learn to stop crossing other people's boundaries <laughs> that's my problem is i'm like give me well it, it's hard because we all need validation and and we're anxious it's mm-hmm. a, it's it's a it's an it, it, i don't think secure people become performers yeah. Because they're secure. They don't need it. What are they, you know, they're happy being a plumber. I don't know why I always go to plumbers. But... <laughs> Have you seen Moonstruck? Yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah right. about who plumber knew. Yeah, no. Anyway. They this... probably had a plumber on yeah. set as like an advisor, and then thought the whole thing was insane. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this is exactly uh, a great avenue to go down the idea of validation. Since you're both performers, mm-hmm. uh, here's a, an example. I always ask after friends, why do you act? And they always say the same answer usually. I'm a storyteller. Yes, yes, yes. (laughs) I've never (laughs) actually met anyone that gave the same answer as me, which is I really like the attention. Which (laughs) it really feels good. It's good to be that honest, you mean? It feels like rewarding to be like, ah, ha, ha. I know you know that this what your answer would be if you had the guts to say it. Yeah, but you know what? I I mean, obviously the storyteller thing is there too, but it's more secondary. Like, obviously, if I was just obsessed with attention, I guess it'd be on a reality show of some kind. I would say, if someone said that to me, I said, yeah, but who are you telling the story to and why are you telling them that story? Mm -hmm. Because you could just tell a story. You could just write the story and never show it to anybody. Yeah. You need you need the yeah the I other have, half of that equation, which is the attention, the receiving of the story. Yeah. Which That's why attention. I call bullshit on the people that say they get on stage and they go, "I only a hundred percent do it for me." I'm like, "Yeah, right." <laughs> I mean, sometimes you gotta stick to your guns and let it die, but really. If people really love the craft of acting, then they would be fine working in like uh, regional theater. To me, that's how I, I'm like, yes. then why are you going moving to L.A.? Why are you going to New York? Why are you in Toronto? Why are you trying to make it as an actor? Because if you just love acting, just work in small town theater. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, okay, I'm going to end it with a quick question for each of you. It'll be okay. a little bit hard. Um, what is something that you really detest about yourself and something you really love about yourself? That's if so you could good. put it in a sentence. Detest and love. 
funny, I was thinking recently about how things that I thought were strengths about myself can become weaknesses if I let them become dominant. And so what I'm trying to do is balance, because for example, like being empathetic, that's arguably a strength, unless I just get super just like overwhelmed caring so much about every single thing on my to-do list and every single person that's behind those things. So something I detest, I don't know. Um, I'm feeling in a very self-lovey place of like, no, be nice to yourself. Even the things that you think are a problem. Things that you can't ask these questions when yeah. they're trying to, it's personal growth. <laughs> oh, right. Okay, ready. <laughs> no, tell her, tell her. Let the demon out. Let the demon speak. Detest about myself. Um, I guess, yeah. Overcomplification. That's not a word. Overcomplication. Com- Overcomplification. That sounds like that's, it should be a word. Overcomplification is yeah. like the perfect. I know should what you be mean. the way that you say overcomplication because you're overcomplicating the word. Overcomplification. Yeah, uh, getting yeah, long-winded, letting the empathy <laughs> and analysis spiral out of control, like it's happening, kind of like right now. What is that verbose? Verbose when you talk too much. Uh, is that a thing? I love that you're like. I'm too long-winded, and you <laughs> take right 20 minutes to answer that. I love it, it me. so much. That's me. Yeah. It's perfect. I would like to be more succinct. But what do you love about yourself? What I love about myself? Uh, hmm. I love that I kind of, per- I'm perpetually, even when things are bad or tough or I'm sick or sad or whatever, the glass is perpetually half full. Wow. Like, that's my, my, uh, my... What, default? Default, yeah. yeah. Like, that's how I'm pre-programmed is that everything is going to be okay, and that's it's good. actually amazing. Even the tough stuff is amazing. Wow, that's good. Oh, me. Matt, yes. I, uh, I, think, I think what I love about myself is that uh, I'm always asking questions, which I know can be an annoyance to other people, but I'm constantly... I don't... I never feel like an answer is good enough. I'm always, I'm very curious, I have a very curious mind, and I kind of, I just like that about myself, that I never, I'll never stop looking for answers. Um, what I hate about myself is, uh, I think it's like, I just wish, I wish I could be happy with 70%. You know, when you go to do something that, can see, that you should see as an achievement, like you challenge yourself to do something and you don't do it as well as you would have liked to have done. And then you're like, you can't celebrate the fact that you did it or made the attempt. Instead, you're just like, I should have made a hundred percent. Yeah. So that drives me crazy. Cause it's like, it's either or it's, it's such a perfectionist thinking. Hmm. And I, and I, and, and the fact that I get angry about that with myself is also telling because it does frustrate me to no end that I can't even just let up a little bit. So I don't know. I That's mean, good. I mean, or is it though? Because now I just feel like I was like, my imperfection is that I'm too hard on myself. My imperfection is I'm a perfectionist. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right? That's good. I understand that. Cool. Very good. What about you, Lindsay? Oh, yeah, Lindsay. Uh, <laughs> oh uh, I think the thing that I detest, because I'll end it on a positive, uh-huh. the thing I detest is I can be a bit selfish and cruel. What? And I'm angry. The I, I'm all emotion. Yeah. I can, you know, I've been told I go for the jugular when I'm. 
but what I, I guess I love about myself. See, I can't even look at you guys when I say it. Doesn't that say something? <laughs> oh, um, is I have empathy for like everybody. Yeah. To maybe to a fault. I'm always like, but what about that serial killer's childhood? Like I, I really do feel bad for everybody. To like, I'm a real bleeding heart. Well, I mean, you so know, that's how I feel. If, if there's anything that you go when you go doing this personal growth journey, you realize, oh, we're all in this together. Yeah. And everybody's suffering in some way or another. Yeah. So that it, it, I think it's completely valid to say, well, yeah, that person may have done an awful thing, but at the same time, why did they do that awful thing? Are they an awful person or did they just do an awful thing? You know what? And you saying that makes me realize my two things are connected. Maybe mm. that's why I'm empathetic to serial killers is I'm like, listen, I get a temper. I get it. Right. <laughs> I get it. I get why you yeah. say the F word at some person that you, yeah. you know, I get it. No, I, I mean, I get it. When you said that you go for the jugular, it's like, well, yeah, people do that when they feel hurt. Yeah. It's like, if you've ever seen some, uh, some uh, bicyclist, like, lose it on a car. <laughs> Absolutely. But it's like, in, my, in my mind, I'm always thinking, yeah, they just thought they were going to die. Yes. Yeah. They were so afraid that that anger comes out. And it's like, that's like a natural response. They're, they're angry because they, they're afraid. Yeah. All this stuff comes from soft hearts and wanting to protect them and keep them alive. Can I tell you one of the angriest moments I've ever felt of a road rage moment? Yes. yes. It's worth it. I promise. <laughs> one time I was on a bike. <laughs> don't worry, I'm not going to You get don't angry. have to sell us on this. We're already, yeah. we're interested. We're here. I was on a bike and someone on Queen Street didn't check while going into the lane or signal or anything. So they almost killed me with mm -hmm. their Jeep. And then I was, I like yelled something like, what? Like, and I was so upset. And then I just needed to breathe and just rode up and mm -hmm. sat at the, the, the lights and waited and was just like, oh my God, I almost died. And then the car pulled up and I was feeling so angry. And then when she pulled up, I saw in her face that she was like, wanted to see like, oh my God, I, I want to connect with you. And I yeah. instantly dropped all my anger and thought, she didn't know. It's okay. Oh. And she looks at me and she goes, you okay? And I go, yeah, yeah, I'm okay. And I, I was very calm with her. And then she went, yeah, because, you know, you should... Oh, God. She, she tricked me. <laughs> she says, you should really wear a helmet. Uh, and it was just God. like this thing where I went, wait, you, you, you fake checked how I was after almost killing me to then sneak in a... A little lesson? A little yeah, lesson. Yeah, yeah. And then I just looked at her, and this is where that anger came out. I just looked at her and I went... You, you think a helmet is going to keep me out of a wheelchair once you kill me with your Jeep? And I got really angry and rode away. It was a pink bike, so no one took me seriously. And, uh, yeah. Well, oh. I would like to think that that little burst of anger taught that woman something. Yes. <laughs> you're so forgiving. No, yeah. I'm just saying, no, it makes... I think uh, you're very justified. Yeah, absolutely. She almost hit you with a car. As yeah. someone who drives a lot... You know, if, if if I if I um like I mean you're the biggest thing on the road. If you hit a bicyclist, it's yeah. your fault. This is yeah, what I always will would not matter. Would, and and also it would not have the fact if you were wearing a helmet, it doesn't change the fact that she didn't check the lane. Like that's on her, you know. Yeah, it's like pedestrians, <laughs> bicyclists, they can still be irritating and bad bicyclists and and pedestrians, but that doesn't mean that. The, it's an excuse for the driver to hit them. 
<laughs> you know what, guys? I feel a lot better. This is so I've been holding on to this for like five years, and oh. I feel so much better. Guys, thank you for being on the show. Thank you. Would you like to share your social medias or something so people can sneakily follow sure. you and enjoy your content? Let's do it. On on Instagram and Twitter, I'm M Pigford. That's E M P I G G F O R D. Thank you. Oh, you have the same for both? Yeah. Oh, oh wow. You're pro. Savvy. Yeah. That's Facebook, pro. Instagram, Twitter. I'm not on Facebook much, though. On Twitter, I'm Maddie Watsy, and on Instagram, I'm Matsy Watsy, I think. No, on, no, <laughs> what? no. That's no, wait. so cute. No, no. On Twitter, I'm Maddie Watts, and on Instagram, I'm Maddie Watsy. So I had to add the Y to Maddie Watts. Yeah. Because they didn't, because someone already had Matty Watts. That cutesy thing doesn't seem to fit your aesthetic, but I, could, I like Matt, it. Matt Watts was already taken, and I literally couldn't think of anything else. And I was like, I'll just see if Matty Watts is taken. I was like, yep, it's there, it's available. I took it. I love it. It's great. Thank you, guys. Thank, Thank you, you. Bye. Bye. I'm sitting here with my good friend, Renee Amber. Hello. Hello. Renee is one of my closest female friends, and uh, we have been great friends for, uh, like, a decade now? Uh, Plus. More? Yeah. Okay, wow. Wow. We improvise together. Oh, Renee, I should tell you. Renee is a wonderful actress and improviser. Uh, We're both from the Loose Moose Theater Company in Calgary, where we met each other and did improv. And we're actually doing a show, just like the theme of this episode, on personal growth. The show is called Personal Growth. Whoa, that is so on theme. I know. It's almost like I planned it that way with the episode. <laughs> mm-hmm. Branding, baby. Yeah. Yeah. I said, you're a millennial. You know how to do these things. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm the old lady. Renee is not actually an old lady. She's just not a millennial. Uh, Gen Xer? Uh, the tip. <laughs> I got the tip of the Gen X movement, I think. Right. Movement, wave. Yeah. Uh, Renee, Renee at the theater, her and I are very similar. We often get cast in the same types of scenes when we would improvise, and people would affectionately call me Renee 2.0 when I first started improvising, probably because we have the same haircut and people. <laughs> terrible. It's terrible. Yeah. I don't yeah. think I knew you when they started calling you that. No? No, I was away and I came back. And then you, <laughs> you met. You met the future you. Oh, my God. Were you impressed? I mean, yeah. That's actually been an interesting thing about our friendship, is you being, like, a decade older, I got to feel like I got to watch things that were happening to you, and then a couple years later, they would happen to me. Right. And I tried to stop them from happening to you. Do you remember me giving you Yeah, you tried to give me sensible advice, but I was like... No, I'm going to give you advice because I'm 20 and an idiot and trying to give someone 10 years older than me advice. Oh, it was good. It was from your heart. I made you cry at the Edmonton Fringe because I was like, you can't be friends with your ex. And you proved me wrong. So there you go. Oh, right. Yes. My best friend is my ex. But you know what? I actually agree with that more. Uh, Not in the case of me and my best friend, Gavin, who is my ex, but because... Um, it all depends. I would put a caveat on it. It's why you broke up. 99.9% of relationships, 
if you were romantically together, you cannot be friends. Mm-hmm. I actually think it's 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 such a rarity. But it all depends on why you broke up. Right. If yeah. you broke up because you have no sexual chemistry anymore, you can be friends. <laughs> if you break up but oh. you still love each other and, like, think about each other, you're not going to be friends. Right, right. There are more, like, more spots along the spectrum. <laughs> like, yeah. Right, but still. Okay, that's, that's yes. fair. Anyways, but... Uh, Importantly, I have seen you grow and change and evolve in your romantic relationships. And now you're married and you have two kids. You're much further down the path in a, in a positive way than me. Um, <laughs> and I want to hear some of the major spiritual growth changes you've had romantically in your life. Uh, okay. Well, Lindsay, I figured it all out. <laughs> And now I'm just, like, eating gravy. <laughs> just eating gravy. For no. some people, that's a that's a, a cry for help. But for um, Renee, no. it's good. Yeah. Oh, I sound like a smoker. I'm not. I'm not a smoker. Um, okay, so I, um, uh, yeah, I had a bit of a complicated romantic life because I was such, such a, like, a gutless wonder when it came to love. I was so self-protective. Really? Yeah, I had, like, and actually, my husband, Rob... Um, pointed it out when we first met. He was like, you seem like you have a lot of walls. They're like 14 feet high. And I was like, what are you talking about? And only now, like seven years later, I'm like, oh yeah, that makes... That was <laughs> You smart. finally told him your name. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you can hold my hand. <laughs> How we have two kids, I can't explain. Um, no, I just... Um, I, I would just never, ever feel like I could... You know how you are like wear your heart on your sleeve, yes. Lindsay. Yes. This is how we're not similar. Yeah, for me to tell somebody uh, that I loved them or I had you know I had feelings for them was like not a possibility for me when I was a teenager. Hmm. I would rather die than do that. When I was a teenager, it was like the most dangerous thing I could think of. So I was like, I had like all this like repressed romantic energy and like was really into Jane Austen that kind of stuff and like would cry myself cry home my all the way home often or like have crushes that were stupid on aloof aloof men and so um I I think I I finally overcame that because I went through so many experiences of trying to date those guys and then realizing it was pointless like guys that always kept you an arm's length away like is that what you mean by aloof men yeah sort of sort of i guess so like just not available because they weren't to begin with Mm -hmm. you know like it was more like a project or like that's me that's me totally oh i keep doing the same yeah i know (laughs) and i'm always a few steps behind oh yeah um well i uh so we were talking about how um how that changed for mm-hmm. me, like, like, like little tiny, tiny, tiny steps. Like, you know, I was 18 years old and like, this seemed like a big deal to me, like driving home from the theater one night, listening to Ani DeFranco. Do you know who Ani DeFranco is? I hear that name come up sometimes. This is going to make oh, me man. sound young. I don't know. This is a powerful woman, powerful singer songwriter. Amazing. And you're coming home from the theater and you're 18. And I'm crying probably like, <laughs> you know, like tragically in love with somebody or upset about some stupid scene or who knows, who knows? why it doesn't matter um and happened to have a crush on a guy who was working at a cafe 
at, near my house and it had a glass facade so I could see him cleaning up and I was crying at the light and feeling really like, you know, melodramatic. And I was like, I need to do something drastic to change my life. I've literally said that <laughs> phrase in my 20s. I need to do something drastic. I once said that to someone. God, you're me. It's scary. Except you went and got a tattoo. In my <laughs> oh, case. Wait, you know that story. Whoops. Okay. In, that, in my case, I went and like, asked a guy if he wanted to have tea with me. So I turned the car around, went and parked in the parking lot. He could see me. Place is closed. Like, clearly a closed sign. I get out of the car, walk to the door, walk back to the car, walk back to the door, and he sees all this. And then I knock on the door. He opens it up like, yeah? <laughs> can I oh, help God. you? It's like, yeah, can I, um... I just wanted to, uh, ask you if maybe you would want to go for some tea with me? Or oh, something? God. Like, super not cool, attractive, or anything. But I got the words out. Lindsay, I got the words That's the important part. Yeah, and then the phone rang, and so he said, just give me a minute. Oh, God. And he walked away, and I was left there in all of my, like, uh, angst. But an amazing thing happened is that, like, as I sat in my angst, it evaporated, and I suddenly felt, like, totally, like, liberated from my insanity and was like, I just... Wait, all in, like, the 30 (laughs) seconds for him to take a phone call, you suddenly had a massive change? Yes, I did. I was like, you know what? I don't care if he says yes or no. I just, all I wanted to do was like, I guess, get something off my chest. Like I was, uh, you know, I had like some random crush. I just let him know it doesn't matter if he likes me or not. I, I, I don't like, I relieved this horrible burden. (laughs) That I had. And he came back and said, Yeah, you know, I'm going to go buy some smokes, walk with me. And I was like, You know what? Have a good night. I'll catch you around. No problem. (laughs) Totally crazy person. I went and like drove home. And I felt so good because I was, (laughs) because I, because that's all it was. It was just like facing a little fear, like a romantic fear. So that's me at 18. And then me like years later, obviously having stupid relationships. With people. Why are we talking about this? Because it's great for growth. So just without naming names, some quick highlights in one sentence. What what were some of these relationship dynamics in like a sentence? Think of someone in particular and just say, well, there was this one and it was basically this. Oh, there was this one and there was I was like the, the good person he should bring home to his mother. And, you know, obviously that didn't work out. Um, But that's a good thing because his mother was like, I went to watch a movie at their house one night and I looked down and his mom's hand was on his thigh. His his mom's (laughs) hand was on his thigh? Yes. Oh, God, you were never, that that was going to be big shoes to fill. Deal breaker. Oh, Uh, God. And then what was another relationship Uh, dynamic that you faced? Just... Lindsay, like, you're outing me, but, like, just, you know, dating somebody. So the last guy I dated before I met Rob was a guy who um, was also dating a girl who lives in whatever, the States. Uh, And she happened to be the younger sister of his ex-girlfriend. So, you know, like, all these signs are there. Oh, boy! So now, like, okay, the reason I was dating him, I think, was I, I was like, um... Just killing time, I guess. You know, you get to that point where you're like, oh, I haven't gone out with anyone for a while. He was fun. He was a very smart, interesting person. 
And um, <laughs> she had quotation <laughs> fingers when she said person. <laughs> okay. It's just because I'm describing it. It sounds like a reality TV show. But anyway, I got up in the morning at four o'clock in the morning one day to drive him to the airport so he could go home to visit his family back east. And then like the following day, I heard from a mutual friend that he was actually in Maui. Uh-huh. With another girl. You had driven him to the airport to go be on a romantic vacation with a different woman? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> while you were seeing him? Yes. And it was four in the morning? Yes. Oh, so That no. kind of woke me up. That woke me up. That was like, oh, wait a second. I think I'm good to not be in this relationship anymore. So I, I just made a promise to myself. I remember washing the dishes in my weird little place and saying to myself that I would not I would not ever be intimate again with somebody who wasn't truly uh, there for me who didn't truly care about me you know it's interesting you say that because I think I'm trying that right now yeah like um, having my heart broken so badly recently and then trying to move forward I really do feel like I'm in a zone where I just I have to make new rules for myself like as I as 30 approaches I feel like all the stuff that was okay in my 20s like it's not cute any, anymore no it ain't cute it's and you'll look back look. and you'll be like that wasn't cute then either no it wasn't <laughs> and so I feel like I saw you do this years ago where you suddenly drew new lines of what you were willing to accept and what you wanted yeah uh I mean, I told you, like, two extremes of, like, completely inept <laughs> when it came to romance to, like, then allowing things into my life that were completely inappropriate. Like, not not completely inappropriate, but not, not nourishing. Yeah. You know, so... Um, and you had another great anecdote that I loved. Will you please share? Which one? Oh, are you talking about the time Ringo Starr gave me love advice? Yes. Oh. <laughs> Ringo Starr, drummer of the Beatles, gave you love advice. Yes, the very one, the very same. So I was in Beverly Hills. Should I name drop? Neighborhoods? Sure. Name drop neighborhoods? Should I name drop a party? I was at Portia de Rossi's... What? You were? Apartment. Yes, just random. Like, I am not this cool anymore, believe me. Wait, I didn't even po- know. I didn't know that. What? I didn't know that. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So she was... She was um, I don't know. I, I won't. I won't explain. Well, I don't know if I should explain why she's married to somebody else right now. But she was engaged to someone at the at someone else at the time. Okay. Ringo Starr's stepdaughter. Really? Yes. Oh <laughs> so, God. Okay. And I, of course, was invited, just by way of random chance. Okay. So. Okay. Wow. <laughs> and um, so we were at this party, and. Uh, of course, Ringo Starr walked in at one point, and the, the room held its breath, and and then we all kind of recovered and got, you know, got our food, and I was... You uh, were there at the party with a boyfriend? Yes. So that's... I was with a boyfriend who was an actor in Hollywood trying to make it, and he knew Portia through a movie he had been in. It was like a one of those things. Okay. And so we were sitting there talking to, like... to to Portia. I'm sorry, Portia, if you ever hear this, I'm sorry I'm talking about you. You don't remember me, but she, she had, like, helicopter uh, instructors there, and we were all chatting, 
And it was just like a weird party, like second generation Hollywood. And um, and I, I had a fresh haircut, so I was feeling pretty good. And I had a, a plate of food on my lap and my boyfriend at my side. And then somebody's dog was nipping at my heels and like trying to get my food. And uh, Ringo Starr looks over and says, you think it's love, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> or he doesn't okay. say, you think it's love, don't you? I don't know. How do you speak? I, I can okay, only do... Is that your way? Okay. That you was your Liverpool accent. You think it's love. You think it's... Uh, uh, I'm Ringo and I play the drums. Uh, that's how I get into it. Uh, you think it's love. love. <laughs> oh, God. All right. We're not going to do accents. So Ringo Starr says, you think it's love, don't you? He says it perfectly in a Canadian accent. You think it's love, don't you? <laughs> in reference to what? I said, uh, are you talking about my boyfriend or are you talking about the dog? And he was like, exactly. <laughs> so <laughs> he laughed. He laughed. That's nice. Yeah. And how, but, uh, but he said that and I was like, yeah, you're right. It's not love. <laughs> so he probably wasn't trying to give you love advice. He just said something and then you had a serious moment of revelation. <laughs> yes. Thank Yes. Ringo Starr just drummed that into my mind. <laughs> oh my God, this is terrible! No, you can't this is use this. great. This is a fantastic story. So, just to to take us more into the future, so you had a whole bunch of relationships where you learned a bunch of things. I didn't actually have that many relationships. It's just it's just that I'm old. Okay, so you've had life experiences <laughs> yeah. that brought you to Rob, and before you officially met Rob, what would you say was the biggest internal change in yourself that allowed you to meet someone who would be a life partner to have kids with? Um, I think valuing myself over, over the relationship. So like valuing myself over all the drama and the story of the relationship and what, what a relationship should be like and, you know, who that person, sh like, you know, like it's weird. People are like, you know, make a list of what you want and, and that's what you'll get. But Honestly, I didn't do that. I just made that statement like, okay, like I'm ready to meet somebody who values me. And that kind of opened the door to that happening. You know what's shocking is everything you're saying right now is is the the hurdle I'm trying to clear right now. Mm -hmm. That is exactly what it is. It's the not being obsessed with the story of what it is or what it should be or getting caught up in every minute detail and centering my life around another person. That's mm -hmm. usually what I do. And, yeah, what you're saying is I feel like the thing I'm coming up against. And it's really hard. Yeah, it's super hard. But you have to remember that's like you're not just um, winning a lottery or, like, writing the end of a story and it's got to be this big dramatic hoopla. Like... You know, like, I went through the wedding, and it was, it just, it was, like, we had an amazing wedding. It was really fun, and it was, like, this I big remember. party. Yeah. But the wedding is not the marriage, and that's, like, so when I think about that, I think I'm kind of, like, it's kind of embarrassing how much emphasis we put on meeting someone and getting married and having a wedding and this, this big celebration because it's the least important part. It's, like, yeah. the day-to-day -day feeling good with somebody and learning to... Like, really learning who they are and accepting them and you accepting yourself. And then finding, like, there's the dynamic is so crazy. Like, 
he and I have so little in common when it comes to our careers and all of that, but we had values in common. And, and so we had a challenge in the sense that I didn't marry somebody with a personality who, that matched everybody around me. Mm-hmm. And so I had to drop a lot of stuff that I thought was important. Right. That, superficial stuff on your list. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and then go through all the, you know, like through the fire of, of having to like, to, to deal with that, like thinking, okay, is this important? And like throwing all that away and then like being faced with someone and saying, this is, you know, this is us. And it's not, it's not, it's, it's not a, a story or a trailer to a movie. It's like the, this is the real deal. And like every day, I don't know, learning to be present with somebody every day is hard. It's so funny. I just got out of a relationship where I think that person and I, and that's why I'm having such a hard time moving on, I think, is if there was a list, they met everything on the list, mm-hmm. but something wasn't right. They checked off so many things for me. Mm-hmm. And yet somehow it still didn't work. And now I'm beginning to think maybe these lists are not the way to go. No, I don't think they are. I don't. I don't know. Like, I I want to say you can have it all, but I don't think so. I think you have to be willing to change, huh. you know, like, and be willing to, to, um, to meet, to, to meet life. Like, I, I, in a way, I kind of believe in fate. Mm-hmm. And so I met this person and I was like, this person has come into my life and it doesn't match up exactly, but I feel good. So, so that, that doesn't mean that I've always felt good every day since then. Like, sure. obviously there's conflict, but like we, I mean, I say obviously there's conflict. I know there are relationships out there where there is no conflict. I've heard of them. Yeah. <laughs> um, I've heard of unicorns too. Yes, exactly. <laughs> but, um... But I just, I just jumped in and was like, that this is, this is more important. Yeah. That's great. And so, I'm going to, I think we should end it there. Cause I, I think that's just so beautiful. I think that's so important and that's a really good message to take home. Oh yeah. Um, yeah, <laughs> no, it is. Uh, Renee, mm-hmm. I'm so excited for us to do our show together. Uh, clearly we're going to have a lot to draw on. Yeah. Um, personal growth is our improv show with Alexa McKell. We will be performing it at the Loose Moose Theater June 7th and 8th at 10.30 p.m. So you should go to loosemoose.com and get tickets if you're in town and come watch us. And it'll be probably funnier than this conversation. Way Way funnier and way less serious. But this was very revealing, so I enjoyed it. I know. Too revealing. No, perfect. Roll it back. (laughs) thanks for being on the show you're welcome Bye. bye and there you have it that is the end of this episode of truth be told the personal growth episode do you feel that do you feel that state of enlightenment Are you in a state of nirvana? It's good, right? Yeah. I'm growing. You're growing. After listening to this episode, we're now all able to love ourselves. Right? Yes. All right. 
You guys, I gotta thank people. Gratitude is an important part of personal growth. So let's thank some people. Let's thank my guests. Steve Gerrand, Emily Pigford, Matt Watts, and Renee Amber. Thank you guys. Thank you so much for being on the show and being so honest. I mean, the show's called Truths Be Told, and you guys really leaned into that. So thank you so much. Thank you to Matthew Reed for making the music for this show. Thank you to Catherine Fogler for the podcast photography. Thank you to Kurt Furla for the graphic design that he made with that podcast photography. So beautiful, Kurt. Uh, thank you to Stuart McQuarrie, who edited this episode. Thank you to Cody Crane and Michael Mangiardi of the Sonar Network. Thank you for always putting up my uh, episodes. It's great. And uh, if you're interested on raising the vibration of the planet and your own personal spiritual vibration, then maybe you should follow me on Instagram at Mullo. That's L-I-N-D-S-O-M-U-L-L-O. Raise that vibration, guys. Manifest selfies of me into your existence. That's what it's about. Okay, guys. Till next time. All right? I got some great episodes coming up, so stay tuned. And please tell your friends about this show. Please? Please do it. It helps. All right. Oh, my God. I looked over. How perfect is this? The cat is licking his own butthole again. It's all full circle. All right, guys. From me and the cat, have a great week. Bye-bye. Sonar Network.